Thanks, Charlie. Yeah, I'm used to hype music, like James Brown, when I get up, but I'll see <laughs> see how I go without it. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name's Josh, if I don't know you, uh, and we're going to spend some time um, in God's Word and looking at the theme uh, for, for the sort of season and series that we're in. So we're doing uh, this series called The Jesus Life, and uh, the idea of it has been to, to look to the example of Jesus for, for patterns of living for us as his disciples, for habits uh, that he um, exhibits, um, for, for the shape of his life insofar as it can shape us and he would want it to shape us. So we've had, had some great messages from, from teachers, elders, pastors in our midst here. And one of the things I've loved about the series, which was part of its intention, was that people would speak from a place of strength, um, and we've definitely had that. So um, we've, had, we've had words that are lived um, coming out, and so it would definitely be my hope uh, that this is another one of those, because what I'm going to speak about, and Meg will be able to flash it up by hitting the, um, the button again, we're going to speak about living a life of prayer. I think it would be remiss um, to look at the life of Jesus in order to establish a pattern for our lives and not look at this issue of prayer. Saying that, let's, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for uh, the way that you came. You came and showed us what life could be like. You came uh, and showed us that you love us by coming, but you have started something that you call us to follow in. Holy Spirit, I pray uh, that as I speak this morning, that you'd be doing a work. Teach us to pray by your power. Amen. As a bit of a, an experiment, I, I, feel like this, I feel like Graham's going to tell me this is a bad idea on Monday. Um, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Oh, could, yeah, maybe now. Because um, it, it, it potentially could frustrate some people. But there's a, Jesus prays a lot. <laughs> there's a lot in the Bible about um, Jesus and prayer. And so in, uh, just so that you don't feel like you have to, or I don't have to speak every verse that's in my notes that I've been through and you don't have to um, write them down. In Elvanto, if you've got that on the front page, um, so that's sort of our church management app that many of you have some interaction with. I've attached that to the welcome image. So you'd go, should be able to go into the app or online and you can find my notes there. Um, otherwise, hit me up and I'm, I'm happy to, to email them to you. Um, and I'll probably email them out with the reflection slides during the week. So, Jesus lived a life of prayer. Um, I think about my kind of formative experience of prayer, uh, what shaped my attitudes towards prayer growing up as a Christian. And I've got to say, um, I, I had a, a tricky relationship with prayer in some ways. It's always been such an sort of emphasis of the Christian life and, and the church circles in which we moved. But to be perfectly honest, um, oftentimes... What came across to me was a bit intimidating. Think about sort of the example 
of leaders um, who led, say, the organisations that I was a part of. I went to a Christian school. I was right in the, in the goldfish bowl as a pastor's kid. Um, you know, we had these examples of prayer. Who, who was it that said, I've got so much to do today that I can't afford not to pray? John Wesley or someone like that. Like, I look at my calendar and what I've got to get, get through in a week and I go, where do I find, you know, the three hours of prayer that apparently John Wesley used to put in every day. Um, I also often experienced the way that we pray as Christians uh, as difficult to relate to, to be perfectly honest. Um, When I was in my early 20s and maybe starting to get a bit more serious about my faith, uh, Graham did something wonderful for me. He suggested I go to an emerging leaders, uh, like, retreat weekend. I don't know if I was an emerging leader at that time, but I went. Um, and they said, hey, guys, it was just, just young men um, and a bunch of pastors from across the state. We're going to start the weekend with an hour of prayer. And I thought, that sounds like a really good way to start a weekend. I, I, like this. I don't know about an hour of prayer, <laughs> but I'll give it a go. We'll, we'll give it a go. Young, you know, 20-something, an hour of prayer, let's do that. And it was back in the iPod days, so someone had an iPod and they plugged it into like a bass amp like that and proceeded to turn up to 11, the most obnoxious worship music that you've ever heard. And I thought, Jesus, I'm really going to need your help if I'm going to get through this. <laughs> And so I thought, you know, like, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I, I pulled my Bible out, and this is me, right? I'm not saying, you'll see, hopefully, by the end of the message, this isn't about what I think. I pulled my Bible out and just found I could kind of stay somewhere uh, approximating praying by just reading the Psalms in, in the din as people were leaping and shouting and doing all the cool, cool things that we Pentecostals do when we pray at times. Anyway, I, I got through it, and um, and yeah, <laughs> and then the and then the rest of the week. That's another story for another time. But um, Jesus lived a life of prayer, and regardless of how we feel <laughs> about it, if you've got experiences that resonate a little bit with mine, um, he wants us to pray. He wants us to follow in his pattern as someone who lives a life of prayer. You might notice in Jesus' most famous teaching about prayer, he doesn't begin by saying, if you pray, pray this way. He says, when you pray, pray this way. You might think of the zeal that consumes Jesus when he goes and clears the temple out, that place where the presence of God was made manifest on the earth. What does he say? He says, my house shall be a house of prayer. He thought it was really important, and that comes through. It doesn't just come through uh, in the moments that he teaches about it, or these moments of zeal, such as we see at the temple, but he patterns his life according to practices of prayer. In Luke chapter 5, it says, But Jesus often, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. 
Jesus was a committed prayer. I don't know um, if you've come in contact with the runners <laughs> that seem to populate. We've got too many runners at this church. It's not healthy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, these guys, I, I am full of admiration for them. I, I've got runners throughout my life. I, I don't know what's going on. But they get up at like four in the morning to do it. <laughs> Jesus did that with prayer, a, a discipline that he went back to time and time again. In Mark 1, very early in the morning while it was dark, he got up. In Matthew 14, said he went up onto a mountainside by himself to pray. And Luke 6 talks about him spending a night in prayer on the mountainside. In Luke 9, it talks about him praying in private. And there throughout the Gospels are littered references like this. Jesus shows us too that it's important to him that we pray because he teaches his disciples to pray, doesn't he? In the Lord's Prayer, we're familiar with that, I've mentioned that already. But there are other places too and you can find um, some references in the notes where he's talking to his disciples about how we should pray. What was going on in prayer though and I think you know my intent actually is that this should be an encouraging message (laughs) because I don't actually think that Jesus wants us to do anything that we can't do that we're not capable of doing so it gets better from here if all of that's like whoa okay so I've got to get up at four in the morning climb a mountain and pray just travel with me for a little bit longer what was going on as Jesus prayed I think it's so significant that as Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he begins with saying, Abba, our Father. That, that way of speaking about God, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but was pretty countercultural, actually. It wasn't like Jews just prayed to God as Father. He was doing something new there for Jews as we might understand you know God was holy and that often puts him at a sort of a a distance from us Jesus encourages us to address God as a father like a child would if you go to the Middle East to this day you'll still find little children calling their dads Abba Jesus was showing us that prayer is about communion with God who loves us and has an intense interest and care for who we are. Jesus also showed us in the way that he prayed that he was submitting to his Abba. The Lord's Prayer says, Your kingdom come, your will be done. Last week, Pastor Graham preached a message where Jesus actually has quite... A frank conversation with God saying, if you could take this from me, as he anticipates his suffering at the cross, if you could take this from me, please, Father, but not my will, yours be done. As well as communing with God the Father, as well as submitting to God the Father in his prayer life, Jesus was often thanking and praising the Father. In 
multiple places in the Gospels. Jesus praises the Father for revealing himself even to little children. He says, the mystery of what you're doing in the world is somehow so often hidden from the wise, and yet children can come to know you. All of the food miracles in the New Testament, and there's more than just the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus sets a pattern for the practice that we would call grace, (laughs) by thanking God for his provision. You know, I've noticed a little bit, I don't know if it's just the circles that I've moved in, but I've noticed Christians maybe not saying grace as regularly as um, I guess we did when I was growing up. And I think there's grace (laughs) to not say grace absolutely but it's a good thing to do isn't it (laughs) to build into our lives habits and patterns and rituals which orient our hearts in thankfulness towards God and his provisions when Jesus was sharing food and fellowship with his disciples when he was instituting the holy communion which we will take at the end of this service he thanked God Jesus prayed about life in general as it seemed to come to him. The circumstances, the people that came across his way. He made a point of praying about and for he prayed for little children in multiple places in the Gospels. He prayed for his disciples. I believe we are supposed to be disciples and so we're supposed to pray for those whom we disciple as a pastor's kid growing up in the home that I grew up in. (laughs) I don't know how many early, early mornings or late nights I heard the floorboards creak as my dad was lifting the people in this church up in prayer. Jesus prayed for himself. God, take this away from me if you would. He prays for all believers in John 17, he says, I'm praying for my disciples, but actually even more, I'm praying for the disciples that you are going to make. Jesus even, this shouldn't come to us as a surprise as Christians, he prayed for those who persecuted him, didn't he? Made a habit of praying for those who persecuted him. I don't know if this is painting a picture for you yet, that's a little more approachable, maybe a little less intimidating of prayer, I'm not sure. Jesus sets a high bar. However, what I really want to draw your attention to in this message is not, you know, the intimidating degree to which Jesus had attained a life of prayer, but what is going on when he prays? The point that I want to make for you is that it's not actually the way we pray, but that we pray. (laughs) You know, the journey of a thousand miles, they say, begins with a single step. But actually, prayer framed and founded in the fact that we are communicating and intending to commune with a God who loves us, a God who we can call Father... (laughs) is not a chore or shouldn't be. It's not about a technique or about a method. It's about a relationship. When Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, as I mentioned, it's framed 
and founded in the Father's heart for them. I've had the blessing across my life of having people mentor me in prayer and and take an interest in helping me to develop my prayer life. And I told a story about a weekend retreat that I went to. God's grace to me after feeling, you know, honestly quite alienated by the prayer that went on there was there was a pastor there who I think at the time was the head of Youth Alive, Pastor Paul Geeling, and he came up to me after the hour-long prayer and he's, if you've ever seen Paul Geeling do what he does, he's pretty animated, pretty, you know, pretty, pretty old school Pentecostal in lots of ways. He said, I noticed that you were just reading your Bible <laughs> during the prayer. What were you doing? And I said, I was reading the Psalms. And he's like, that's okay. You do you. No, you, don't, you don't have to pray the way the rest of us are praying. It's about you and God. You do you. I think I've actually got that up on the slide, Meg, because I'm going to flick through a couple. But, you know, I appreciated that so much because when we're seeing, you know, things like prayer, aspects of our faith work for other people and they're not working for us, that can be alienating, right? It's the kind of thing that can be a barrier. But I think Pastor Geeling in that moment was communicating the heart of the Father for me and for each of us where he would just say, and this is God, not Paul Geeling, though Paul Geeling might say it as well, he would just say, I just want to spend time with you. I just want to do this relationship thing. You, you do you. I created you. I'm comfortable with whether you're a shouter or a screamer or a quiet psalm reader. That's okay. It's not the way we pray, but that we pray, right? I want to just hit you with a a little barrage here of some great quotes about prayer. So I've got someone who who teaches me a lot about prayer. You hear him talked about a bit in this church, so I don't think we've ever had him in here, Dr. Vangel Shaw. And he and another colleague of mine, um, they teach a subject on Christian spirituality where they focus on prayer. And so I've ripped some quotes from them. St. Augustine, and uh, if you could flick through these with me, please, Meg, as I do it. St. Augustine says, whole prayer is nothing but love. There's a number of ways to do love (laughs) if you've been in a successful, loving relationship. There's methods and techniques that can help you, but they're not the point. (laughs) The point is the relationship. Whole prayer is nothing but love. Richard Foster who more contemporaneously writes about spiritual discipline, says, loving is the syntax of prayer. To be effective prayers, we need to be effective lovers. St. Teresa of Villa says, to pray means to remain in the presence of God. St. John Vianney says, prayer is the inner bath of love into which the soul plunges itself. The Catholic theologian, a great figure of the last century, Hans Urs von Balthasar, I like this one, it's maybe a bit cheeky for a Catholic, a conversation with God is, prayer is a conversation with God where we're at pains not to be boring. <laughs> That's not just applicable to Catholics, is it? It's all of us, it's totally all of us. No, I think when I don't have many slides. Meg's doing a great job. Thanks, though. 
it sounds like a relationship, right? I mean, sometimes I bore Sharon, but every now and then I've got to break it <laughs> and make some interesting conversation. It's about a love relationship. She's, <laughs> you can ask her about that later. So the supreme point, bedtime, like when I'm falling asleep, that's when she wants to have the really significant conversations. <laughs> I feel like a terrible person because I'm like, can I go to sleep now? Um, we get there. We're doing okay, I think. Maybe not after this. No. The supreme point of prayer is our communion with God. If prayer was just about God answering our requests in a way that we could recognise, then all those unanswered prayers would be wasted. Can I tell you, they're not wasted to God. (laughs) Every moment where he's had your attention, where you've been directing your inner life towards him, is precious to him. Someone who's helped me on my journey um, is another pastor in the movement, uh, a guy called Glenn Cochran. And actually, a lot of um, my experience around prayer, and particularly the life of the Spirit, as I was growing up, was, was pretty obstructive, actually. Um, I'd love to say <laughs> that the practice of Pentecostal churches helped me to come into the fullness of the life of the Spirit. But to be perfectly frank, and not this church, but as I say, I sort of grew up in the goldfish bowl a little bit in the middle of the moon. Often it was, it was an obstruction. Well-meaning people manipulating me. You know, like I was one of those kids that I wanted. I wanted to speak in tongues. That's the, that's the Pentecostal expression, right? That's when you know that you're where you should be with God. And so I, I would ask for it <laughs> regularly, God, if this is something you want for me, I love to speak in tongues. And, and when I talk to people about it, it was often, you know, just start talking nonsense. And, and that didn't seem right to me somehow. I had my own issues. I'm not saying it's had it all worked out. But it, it gets discouraging, actually. Years of wanting something, being told that you should have it um, and, and not receiving it. And then just a whole heap of, frankly, I think ill-considered pastoral practice around how we do that stuff as Pentecostals. And I, I got to the stage, and I'm not proud of this, but in conversation with Pastor Cochran, I said, you know, sometimes I think I've got the gift of not speaking in tongues. Because <laughs> there's so many people <laughs> in these churches of ours who don't speak in tongues, and they're all ripped up about it. <laughs> I feel like I'm safe enough in God's care and concerned at least say actually I think we're okay (laughs) what can we do beyond ask for it and not fake it do you know what I mean so I wouldn't really use that phrase and I don't know if I've ever externalized that in public before because I I, as a Pentecostal pastor (laughs) it's not a great phrase (laughs) and um so I was telling Pastor Cochran that one time he was at Nexus at the time and he said I've got a book for you about prayer and he gave me a book um, from the eastern orthodox tradition called the way of the pilgrim and it's a story about a young man who reading uh, that passage in first uh, in thessalonians five seventeen, which says pray without ceasing is kind of prompted to explore what that means Sh- should we be able to pray without ceasing how might 
we do that. And so he goes on a sort of a journey to discover what it might mean to pray without ceasing. And he hears about a community of monks who have a methodology. Remember what I've said, it's not about the methodology, it's not about how we pray, it's that we pray. But anyway, he hears about this community of monks and he he meets them and they say, actually, we've got a prayer which enables us to pray without ceasing. And he says, let me teach it to you. And Meg, could you flick it? please. This is quite famously called the Jesus Prayer. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And what the monks would do is instead of just breathing, as they breathed, they would say this prayer. So sucking in Jesus Christ, blowing out, Son of God, drawing in, have mercy on me, exhaling, a sinner. And this might seem dopey to you, but this was just the path that I was on. I gave that a go. And I was walking around, doing my everyday thing, and as much as possible trying to pray the Jesus prayer (laughs) as I lived through my life. And I'd catch myself out that I'd forgotten to do it, and I'd start it up again. And even if you get really good at this, and I gave it a good crack, there's still, of course, moments where you forget to be praying (laughs) as you're breathing and there's times in the doing of it that you're sort of maybe consciously orienting yourself towards God and there's times where you're just sort of going into the pattern of it. However I found it useful because what it actually taught me about prayer was that it wasn't necessarily about the words that I'm saying though I believe those are powerful and biblical words but it was about the prompt to orient myself back to God. And you know, this prayer was actually for me, and again, I'm not saying this is going to work for everyone, and you know, you might not like it, and that's okay. It's not about how we do it, it's that we do it. But it was actually this prayer that led me in to beginning to pray in tongues. Because I realised that What's going on is an orientation of who I am in my heart, my soul, my mind to God the Father, an awareness of God in the everything that I'm doing. Um, if I can encourage you in anything this morning, it's, it's okay to experiment <laughs> with how to pray. You know, Sharilyn is um, a, a finder, a bowerbird when it comes to great liturgical prayers. And we've got the Book of Common Prayer around the house, so we often dip into that. And at various seasons, that really works. Others, not so much. But, but, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, it works for some of us better than others. Some of you are like jumping off the seats, chandelier, swinging, shouting, you know, uh, tongues, sort of asserting prayers. And that's good. And actually, when I'm in those environments, I know that I need to lean into that a little bit. You know, because we need to grow, we need to stretch, we need to experiment. But because of the fact that it's not how we pray, it's not how we orient our life and our heart to God, we commune with God, we submit to God, we try and do all those things that Jesus was doing as he prayed. Because it's not the how, it's not about technique or method, those those things can be helpful. It's that we do do it. that we have a relationship with God that manifests in prayer somehow. We've just got to get on with it and have a go. 
And some of us are contemplatives. Some of us are shouters. That's all good. What it's about, and here's just a few final thoughts before we pray and and we have communion. It's about the direction of our inner life to God. It's about cultivating a consciousness of God as we go about the activities and the inactivity of our life. You might think of the text, Practicing the Presence of God, by Brother Lawrence, who was a cook in a monastic order, found a way of praying as he cooked and cleaned and so forth. If you find yourself having thoughts without God, invite God into those thoughts. If you find yourself having thoughts which you don't feel comfortable inviting God into, perhaps that's a prompt (laughs) not to have those kind of thoughts and to ask God for his help there. Pray in tongues. I'm going to get the band up. Can I encourage you, if you have the gift of tongues, pray in tongues. If you don't have the gift of tongues, ask for the gift of tongues. Paul says, I wish that you all would speak in tongues. It might not happen immediately. Maybe you'll have a story like mine. Maybe you're in that sort of stuck season where you feel like you're going after it and you're asking for it and it's not coming. Maybe there's blockages for you somehow. But continue to come to God and say, God, if if this is for me, would you give it to me? After the service, um, Dwayne and Cheryl are going to be up there and they're happy for anyone to come and receive prayer for them. You might like to ask them, if you don't have the gift of praying in tongues, could you pray that I get it? Could we, could we stand? Because I want to pray for us about prayer. I hope that's made sense. I hope there's been something of benefit in there. I'll flick those notes out to you. Meg, would you mind flicking to the the next screen? Let's pray this together for starters, and I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray for your prayer lives. I want to pray specifically for those of you who, who would like to speak in tongues, but don't. And we're going to come around the table and and just worship for a little bit longer can we do that clunky traditional thing where we try and read at the same time our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us.